Welcome to the Smug Buds for May 2023. My name is Will, and I'm joined by Liz. Hi, Liz. Hey, Will. How's it going? Very, very good. I have my sound not jacked like it was the last time. And uh, yes, I appreciate you lowering your gain for yeah, this we- month. <laughs> We figured out the issue by we, I mean me, yep. which is that somehow a knob on my microphone got turned up and I didn't, I don't even know how it happened. Yeah, I think you I, you could say we've, I identified the issue. Yes. And you uh, corrected it. Yes. So that, that's pretty good uh, teamwork. <laughs> good teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, do you uh, have any old business to discuss? I have one tiny thing. Business. Last night, Kenny was trying to get me to watch Final Destination 3. Mm-hmm. The uh, second best, in my opinion. Which I was like, I don't know anything about any of the Final Destinations. I don't even know the premise. All really? I know is it's one of those fucking movies <laughs> that has final in the word and there's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, has the same problem that I have with Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, as a way to persuade me, uh, that my uh, pod wife's crush, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, was in it. That's correct. She's, he did she's, not convince me. She's the star of that yeah. film, yeah. Um, I, I, I recently uh, watched uh, all of those movies mm-hmm. uh, because they were the subject of uh, the uh, podcast With Gorley and Rust. Uh, where they, uh, where Matt Gorley and Paul Rust uh, talk about horror movies, and the way that they do that is they generally pick a franchise and they go through all the movies in the franchise one by one, with some exceptions. Like for instance, mm-hmm. right now they're in the middle of doing uh, one-offs, no franchise. They've just hand-picked mm-hmm. some uh, horror movies that are not part of any franchise. Uh, but before they were doing that, they were doing the Final Destination movies, and my rankings of those five films are as follows. Two, three, I can't remember whether I put five above one or one above five. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's three, no, no, two, three, one, five, four. Oh, okay. But I might- Real roller coaster if you watch them in order. <laughs> And and actually, you have to watch three to see the roller coaster. Um, but uh, I'm excited for Kenny to hear that joke and get it. But but it might actually it uh, it might actually be two three five one four. Okay. I think I if I remember right, what I was thinking only a matter of weeks ago. I think I have that level of disrespect for the first one. <laughs> that I actually put the fifth one above it. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When did the first? What's the the date range? Do you know? Basic, basically, like two the year two thousand to. Um, I don't remember when five was, but I would guess maybe like twenty twelve ish. Okay, so like a decade ish. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, from yeah, I have... from like right around the time of nine eleven to the early <laughs> aughts. My favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, I, I could, I could talk your your ear off about 
about those movies and the and the premise if you want to hear it but maybe maybe we can do that, when we run out of things we can do a final destination one and we can have that's how we'll get kenny on well okay so how is this for a transition so the what the reason i would hesitate to do that mm-hmm. is because i've i've listened to a podcast that i really like talk about yeah. the Final Destination uh-huh. movies. When we did Wes Anderson and we did it blank check style, uh-huh. I I would not have suggested that we do that if blank check had actually done Wes Anderson. Is blank check doing Wes Anderson? No, no. As far oh. as I know, they have no <laughs> plans to do that. Maybe they'll get to it someday, but they haven't said they will. Yeah. Um. My point being that I am happy to borrow the format of a yeah. of a podcast but the actual content the subject matter i'd be more hesitant about that mm-hmm. which is the reason why i was hesitant to talk about what we are going to talk about today <laughs> because but this is a monolith well well that's the thing so that's that's a good transition to how i've i've come to acceptance Mm-hmm. of of what we're of what we're doing i well devoting well sorry it's for you to say what we're talking about what are we talking about so we're talking about um something that almost should be my episode but uh-huh. it's your episode sure so i'm like absolutely letting you lead but Thanks. i have a wealth of knowledge yes um we are talking about the legend of zelda specifically in light of Tears of the Kingdom being released uh, two weeks ago. Exactly, yeah. And so I went into this month prepared to, uh, you know, for this to be my episode and thinking I would would like to come up with a, a, a topic that I haven't thought of yet. And Tears of the Kingdom comes out this month, and that's that was sort of Plan B in my mind. Well, if I don't mm-hmm. come up with something, we can always talk about Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, and I definitely have not thought of anything I would prefer <laughs> to talk about. But I was, you know, keeping that as a Plan B in my mind because I was thinking, well, I'm gonna hear at least one podcast that's that's about the same subject that is a Mm -hmm. podcast that i regularly listen to i'm talking about the get played podcast Mm -hmm. formerly known as how did this get played and there's just i'm gonna listen to that probably tomorrow or even tonight (laughs) when it's gonna be out and there's gonna be overlap between what they say and what we have to say and it's gonna be ah that's that's too bad that's it's it's not exactly how i want to spend my time but and as we know the audiences of those two podcasts have it's like uh-huh. a circle yeah no the venn diagram <laughs> is a circle yes yeah uh but uh the the way that i have come to frame this in my mind is not only am i incapable of talking about anything else at this moment for like emotionally yeah uh for 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 longer than a few minutes but mm-hmm. also it's only may it's still the first half of the year mm-hmm. in theory that should mean that it's too early to be talking about blank of the year for mm-hmm. 2023 but let's be realistic 
isn't it fitting that last month it was your episode and we talked about the album of the year mm-hmm. because we talked about Boy Genius. Whose shirt I'm accidentally wearing again today. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, uh, so this month, uh, we're following that up by I'm devoting my episode to the game of the year. And then also, I think we will keep this rolling because uh-huh. next month we get to talk about the movie of the year. Yeah. Because Asteroid City will be out next month. Um, so, yeah, game of the year is Tears of the Kingdom. There's like no, there's no, I can't, there's no, no competition. Right. Uh the 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 next big the next video game of this magnitude that I'm looking forward to is Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. which is going to be out before the end of 2023 unless it is delayed. Uh as Tears of the Kingdom was and they it, might it delay so- it to get it out of out of the run-ins with Tears of the Kingdom. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. Um but I also think Spider-Man 2, as highly anticipated as that is, it's not Tears of the Kingdom and it's not Elden Ring. It's mm-hmm. it's as it's very, very big, but it's not like obviously this is going unanimously going to be game of the year yeah. big. It's a little it's a little more I think of it as a little more niche. Uh Tears of the Kingdom came out May twelfth, twenty twenty three. I took the day off. Um, I would have taken the day off, except there was an event that I had to work. Uh, but that <laughs> right. basically meant that it was a half day. Yeah. Uh, and then I took off the following Monday and Tuesday. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, just over two weeks ago, like two weeks and two days uh, when we're recording this. Um, and uh, I thought that we would get a baseline first of all by talking about breath of the wild a little bit Mm -hmm. so breath of if you'll remember yeah i published an essay at a little lit mag called cartridge lit called green gamer that right very good title by the way yeah maybe my favorite thing about the piece is that (laughs) title will named it because i couldn't think of something Okay. I mean, you did have a title for it that you must have submitted it under, but... I think I don't... It was bad, though. I think I said to you, this is not a good title. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't, I don't even have a memory of it. I, th- I, think, I think you prompted me to come up with a better title. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I said, be a good editor, Will. <laughs> and so for the um, first time and the only time. <laughs> and in that, in that essay i talk about how i love video games even though i'm really bad at them Mm -hmm. um and how the only video game i had ever beaten um was pokemon Mm -hmm. and kenny took a little bit of issue with that as a note because i had also technically beaten like the monkey island games but Mm -hmm. those were point and click adventure games that anybody can beat technically i would argue with that because you can just look up the answers Mm. That I don't I, I guess I don't want to get into that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> my my point is is that it wasn't like I had to it wasn't like when Kenny's playing Elden Ring or when I'm playing Pokemon and we have to fail at something and adjust our strategy. Mm-hmm. Right? Um there's like a set number of things to do in Monkey Island. So that said, the only game I had ever beat was Pokemon Blue, which I beat a couple of times. 
Um, Breath of the Wild is the first video game that I have ever beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, because I played Ocarina of Time plenty of times and got stuck in various places and then, like, either didn't have the time to play it anymore or had to do something else. Um, I've played... I've played a lot of Link... Um, I, I, oh, let me put it this way. The video game I've probably played the most is the Zelda series. Yeah. Um, so I've played Link's Awakening and gotten stuck. Multi- I played Link's Awakening like on a Game Boy and got oh, stuck. the original. Yeah, and got stuck. All right. <laughs> I played it when it got released on the, like remastered and released on the Switch and just got stuck. <laughs> mm. um, I've played twilight princess and got stuck but i watched my brother beat that one i played wind waker and i got stuck and watched my brother beat that one yeah i played skyward sword and got stuck and felt very justified because the place i got stuck was the same place that aaron hansen got stuck when they were playing it yes although he did eventually finish that he did but i was like this man plays video games for his job yeah so like if he's getting frustrated out of his mind right now Mm -hmm. it makes sense that i could not do this um and that i actually did actually i think i really plugged away at that for probably like four or five hours over a period of days and i was like okay this isn't happening yeah um and then i watched game grumps complete that one yeah uh so breath of the wild i uh very very breath of the wild is really made for me this is the baseline part yeah it's made for me because i'm bad at video games Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i can do everything else yeah first (laughs) right and so i um you know got as many shrines as i first i got all the map pieces then i got as many shrines as i possibly could i did every little side quest um and so and then i I did the zora the zora domain first i think i did zora zora's domain uh rock men what are they called gorons the gorons the goron i did the goron mount Death Mountain. Death Mountain. I did that. And then I went over to the Rita Village and I did um, the Gerudo Valley last. Yeah. Because that was hard. And that was hard because of the Yiga. And I hate the Yiga. Mm-hmm. And I still hate the Yiga. I ran into a Yiga and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh. I, don't, I mean, obviously they would be in the game in Tears of the Kingdom, but I really was just hoping they would not be. I really hate those guys. All my homies hate the Yiga clan. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, I um, I really just got over overpowered, and then finished all of those things. I mean, I, I mean, I say I was really overpowered. I beat the Gerudo, um, uh, Divine Beast, like by the skin of my teeth. Like mm-hmm. I actually don't know how I did it because I, I, it was to the point where I like looked up what I was supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and then I was like, just kind of hoping for the best, and it worked out. Yeah, and then I, um, I. Got very scared going to Hyrule Castle, and I completely avoided every Lionel. Like, I had, a, I have this, like, very specific memory of, like, getting to a certain place, using the Rito power to, like, boost myself up and then glide over and get in. Mm-hmm. And I got the whole way there. I beat, I did, like, the first, well, the first half, of course, of the battle was gone because I had gotten all the Divine Beasts. Mm-hmm. I get through the next quarter of the battle, um... And then he changes, and I could not beat this guy, and I had to look it up again, and it was because I needed to parry something that I mm. had avoided learning how to do because right. it was hard. Yeah. So then I had to learn how to parry. Yeah. 
And then I was able to defeat him pretty quickly after that. Makes I was sense. able to do everything um, pretty easily after that. Um, so yeah, that was my baseline with Breath of the Wild. It was sort of a big achievement for me, I would say. Uh, in theory, uh, I'm I'm more of a gamer than you are by a significant margin. But despite that, uh, we have I think very similar uh, stories. Uh, in this in this capacity, um, most of my Zelda playing has been in the Switch era, mm-hmm. and that goes for not only Breath of the Wild and now Tears of the Kingdom, but also the Link's Awakening uh, remake, which I did play uh, all of, and uh, I really like a lot, uh, especially on an aesthetic level. Mm-hmm. But prior to uh, the Switch era, um, I played uh, just like you described for yourself. I played uh, quite a number of Zelda games and completed none of them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, got stuck and uh, didn't care enough to push through and beat them. Um, and that starts with Ocarina of Time. And I think that uh, my uh, reaction to this game when I was a kid sort of carries through to how I reacted to almost all the Zelda games that I played afterwards. I was uh, like my very first touch point for video games was Mario Mm-hmm. And in Mario, whatever version of Mario you're playing, the the appeal is it is fun to run and jump my way through a level as this little guy. <laughs> and so playing Ocarina of Time and being a new little guy who runs around, I really resented the fact that there was no jump button yeah in ocarina of time and link is supposed to jump automatically when you run to the edge of of, say a platform Mm -hmm. and a lot of times i could not get that to work and to what extent was that the game's fault and to what extent was it my fault for Mm -hmm. um being a kid who was just you know developing the fine motor skills required to really navigate uh these games uh anyway i i bounced off of it and i never really liked it uh because it was not easy to jump like in mario <laughs> so in i mario pr- you can jump twice sometimes double jump triple jump backflip <laughs> ground pound like these are all great mechanics uh, so I played to some extent, but never really got into Ocarina of Time, mm-hmm. Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, which I think is the one that I played the most of, but one still never note, got to I the end. I did also time. get very far into. I also got really far into Majora's Mask. Like I think I got. Mm. I think I got to the end of Majora's Mask, but never was able to beat Majora's Mask. Gotcha. Like the mask. Okay. Yeah, I've tried to play that a couple of times and haven't nearly gotten that far. 
um, Skyward Sword. And uh, I played at least one of the handheld games. I think it was Phantom Hourglass. I also have played Phantom Hourglass. and But it was like on my friend Spencer's DS. Mm-hmm. Like in college. Like I yeah. was like, like taking it to my room. Like, And I can also say that I have spent a limited time playing the original Legend of Zelda and A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. but not very much time and never on original hardware. I have played the original Zelda on an NES. Nice. With the gold cartridge. Yeah, that was technically the first Zelda I ever played, but that was like, I mean, me playing that, I was like, if I'm not good at video games now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this was nothing, nothing happening back then. So that's the background I had when Breath of the Wild came out. Not a lot of love for the Zelda franchise when... <laughs> I love how we had this same experience and I was like, I was obsessed. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. There, I was like, there's something, there's something here, but I don't really feel like I have access to it. Mm-hmm. And then Breath of the Wild was a launch title for the Switch in spring of 2017 mm-hmm. and uh i didn't really see the appeal initially so i didn't play it right away and i didn't get a switch until later that year um by the time i got it super mario odyssey was out mm-hmm. and that was what i wanted to play and that's what i did play and after that I had a Switch, and it wasn't too long before uh, there wasn't much of anything else to play on the Switch. And so I was like, well, now I will get Breath of the Wild. I don't 100% remember this, but knowing me, I probably, rather than buying it, asked for it for Christmas and got mm-hmm. it as a Christmas gift from my parents. Uh, so that allowed me to start playing it without paying the money to play it. Uh, and so Can I say too, I actually think I do remember this because I was so, I was like, Will, are you going to play Breath of, are you going to play Breath of the Wild? And you were like, I don't know. And I was just like, <laughs> and so that when you did get it, you were like, look what I got for Christmas. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> So that being true, I think by the time I played it, it was 2018. Mm-hmm, that sounds right. And possibly by the time I played it, I had already watched the Game Grumps fully play it. You had, yes. Mm-hmm, yeah. This is also something I distinctly remember because right. I was like, because I think when you were watching the Game Grumps play it, you were like, I've been watching the Game Grumps play it, and I think that they've convinced me that like I will actually like playing this game, mm-hmm. and I was like, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that all makes sense, and I vaguely remember that being the case. Um, so uh, once I started playing it, uh, it was uh, really addictive, if I may use that term. Um, the way I played it was really similar to the way that you played it. I did everything that one has to do on the plateau mm-hmm. to get the glider. Once you have the glider, the world is open up to you. Uh, my first priority was having a complete map. 
So I went around from tower to tower. Um, I also did whatever shrines I came across along the way, going from tower to tower. In hindsight, I I don't know. It, I think that that's a fun, fun way to play the game. Mm-hmm. Part of the fun is that you are sometimes presented with, this is definitely not how I was intended to play it. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the towers put a lot of obstacles between you and getting to the top of the tower and you would be better suited to face those obstacles if you had gone through the game a little more linearly doing some main story stuff and getting stronger. I still think about the Wizrobe tower. Yeah. And then the last tower I got is the one that was in the middle that yeah. had all the guardians around it because right. I was, of course, terrified of the guardians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Naturally, yeah. Uh, and uh, but I did it that way anyway, even though sometimes it was just like brute forcing my way through a situation <laughs> that I wasn't supposed to be in. But yeah. part of the fun is that you can get into those situations even though you're not prepared for them. Uh, and it wasn't until I had completed the map and done a bunch of shrines that I did the main story. Um, I don't remember exactly the order I went through the Divine Beasts, although I do remember I am pretty sure I did the Rito Village last because I think I oh, remember having that power last. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then I went to the castle and I beat Ganon and I beat the game and I was pretty much done with it after that. And I put it down having, well, actually, that's not true. I didn't put it down until I had done all of the shrines. And oh, I, wow. I think I once I had done all shrines, not including DLC, I didn't do any DLC. I didn't do any DLC. Main game, I was done playing it once I had done all the shrines. Mm-hmm. And I had completed the main story, not necessarily in that order. Mm-hmm. There are obviously tons of side quests. And if I was going to keep playing the game, I would have done more side quests. But I was more interested in moving on to something Mm -hmm. else. And I looked back today to see uh, how long that took me. I would would estimate maybe I played it for like a month. Mm -hmm. I don't really recall. But I played it a lot. Because as I said, it was it was addictive, mm-hmm. and the switch pl- says that I played Breath of the Wild for, and I quote, one hundred hours or more. <laughs> um, as I said, it's been two weeks and two days since Tears of the Kingdom came out, mm-hmm. and in that time, the Nintendo Switch says that I have played it for, and I quote. 75 hours or more. <laughs> um, I was curious to see, do you know this stat for yourself? Have I you... don't know this stat for myself, but okay. I can tell you, I mean, just, just to give you, I mean, this isn't, I'm not going to actually do the math, but um, I have, I played that first weekend. I must have played 15 hours that first weekend. Yeah. And then um, since then, I haven't been playing it every night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been playing it almost every night for at least an hour 
Um, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, I will say something that did not happen the first time that did happen this time is that Kenny didn't start a game file of Breath of the Wild until, um, months after I was done. And this time he is playing it, um, parallel to me. So we, um, so there have been some nights that I have like shit to do and I've been like, why don't, cause he mostly plays after I go to sleep, but I'll be like, why don't you play? And I can then watch Breath of the Wild (laughs) while I like, you know, submit whatever I'm submitting or fill out whatever forms. Um, and that's been really lovely. Also, did I, did I tell you the thing I bought? What's that? I bought the Zelda switch. Oh, (laughs) okay. So this answers one of my questions. So you, uh, this means, am I understanding correctly? You and Kenny and Elliot, you're, you're our two switch household. Are and part mm-hmm. of the reason I did this is because Elliot, you know, plays Minecraft now, and I just really didn't want to share. Yes, right. And I thought, well, Liz, you're an adult, and you know, you make enough money that I think you can justify having two switches when you and like they're both. The, my point is, is they're both getting used, and right. the other one we did get pretty much right after. Like we were, we didn't get it on release day, right? But I got that switch pretty much. I think Kenny got it for me for my birthday, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got it within the first year. So it is also like, I mean, it's it's not like it's not working, but it is old. Right. Yes. And I also knew that with the new Zelda, I was going to be playing it on the handheld a lot and the screen's right. bigger. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, right. So is the, is the Zelda Switch an OLED Switch? Oh, is that how you say that? O- O-L-E-D. Yes. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. Yeah. Okay, I have. I've only said O L E D, but I've also only ever read it. I I I I would also say O L E D, having just read it, but I haven't just read it. I've heard people talk people about say it, it. <laughs> and I've heard more people saying OLED switch, maybe just because it's shorter. That's so funny. Um. So yeah. So okay. So this brings up one of the things that I was planning on saying early uh-huh. in the conversation, which is. As we were, uh, as it was getting close to the release date of Tears of the Kingdom, mm-hmm. Dana had been playing Stardew Valley. Yeah. For basically her, I, I, what I think, if I remember correctly, is her second, like, true playthrough. playthrough. Yeah. And she was expressing that she was getting ready to put it down again and move on to something else. Mm-hmm. I have had some ideas of video games that I would really like Dana to play mm-hmm. for quite a while now. And I have had time to come to acceptance of it's probably never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I should just put those feelings away. Uh-huh. Uh, and so as these things were simultaneously happening, Tears of the Kingdom is out soon and Dana is winding down on Stardew Valley. She said to me, maybe I want to play the new Zelda. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. Hadn't really thought that that was a possibility. You haven't played Breath of the Wild. Uh Would you be interested in doing that instead and if you like it playing the new Zelda later 
So I think maybe a day or two before Tears of the Kingdom release day, Dana started playing Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. And I thought that maybe she was going to bounce off of it, but she didn't. She has found it just as addictive as I Mm -hmm. found it. Part of what she said in the first uh, day or two of playing it is... um, why didn't you tell me that it was a game about taking walks in the woods? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I definitely understand the appeal um, for Dana specifically. Slightly related to that, Aram at one point when she started playing Breath of the Wild said to me, I started playing it, but then it got really hard. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, for a long time, I was just picking up apples and sticks, and then it got really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, so your experience is uh, Tears of the Kingdom came out. Both you and Kenny started playing it, mm-hmm. and you have two switches, so you can play simultaneously if you want to. No. D- go on. Uh, because I have a physical copy. Okay. And so you need the physical copy. Mm. So we can't play it at the same time. Okay. Um, kind of sounds feel- like it defeats the purpose a little bit. Oh, no, because I wanted it so that Elliot could play Minecraft while gotcha. I was playing Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and that also- makes sense because Minecraft is a Switch exclusive, of course. <laughs> Well, but it's on the Switch, and that's what her little hands work best with. Fair enough, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we like we could have got. I guess we could have gotten it for the PlayStation Five, but her little hand. She's got little hands. Will I have okay. trouble holding that PlayStation controller? Yeah, that's fair. Um, but um, also did so. I assume you then downloaded. Yes. Okay. I did. So, I did hard copy for Breath of the Wild because it was a Christmas gift. Yeah. I downloaded Tears of the Kingdom. So I really, I just really like the physical media. Um, yeah. And I, but I also wanted to play it like as soon as it came out. Mm-hmm. So which meant that I couldn't pre-order it. Mm. And so my plan was to wake up and go to Target when they opened at 8 a.m. and get it. And that's what I did. And <laughs> what I did was I like woke up at my normal time and then I like, I said goodbye to Elliot and then I like left. And I, like, get to Target, and I go to the back, and I am, like, standing sort of, like, looking for where, like, the whatever thing I need to grab is to buy this. And then I see there's a man ahead of me, and he's sort of, like, and then I just see him go, because he's taller than me. And so I, like, go around the aisle, and there's just this gaggle of deeply middle-aged people. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, they have, they're opening the boxes that have Tears of the Kingdom in it. Mm-hmm. And so I got in line. There was nobody saying that this is what was happening. Yeah. It's just that like one man was wearing a shirt that said Nintendo and there was a woman <laughs> there in a, in a zip up link hoodie. Yeah. Um, and I got up and I was like, Tears of the Kingdom, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, yep, yep. Um, I also had grabbed Elliot a swim skirt, so I also paid for that, sure. but 
And I did not know that this was happening. I was truly doing this so that I could get it as soon as possible while getting a physical media of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a small Zelda fanny pack because I bought it at Target. Oh, very nice. I got like a little bonus. It's like a uh, like a sort of thick strap and it's maybe the size of, um, it's like a little bit bigger than a cell phone, I guess. Yeah. Um, this is reminding me, I think when the Link's Awakening remake came out for Switch, I bought a physical copy at Target and I think I got like a free pin set. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, they really are, they really are trying to. Mm-hmm. Um, get you to do it. But I had no, I did not even know that that was why. And then I strutted out of there and felt very smug about it. <laughs> and that's why we call it the smug buds. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. So uh, uh, back to the the two switch household mm-hmm. subjects. Yes. yes. So knowing that Dana was going to keep playing Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. and I wanted to play Tears of the Kingdom, I started to consider are we going to be a two switch household uh-huh. and so uh, this i'm going to try to make this a quick digression because mm-hmm. it's ultimately pointless that the end <laughs> the end of the story is that we haven't taken that step mm-hmm. uh but i was so so i was considering we're going on a trip soon mm-hmm. and we may want to have a switch on the trip mm-hmm. and wouldn't it be good if that wasn't my only switch mm-hmm. taking to another country? Uh, and so I was weighing the option of, okay, I could get a switch light. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's going to be handheld only. It's going to be more portable. It's going to be lighter and it's going to be easier to travel with. Mm-hmm. And it's different enough from the switch that I have that it seems more justifiable to have that in addition to what I have already. And I assume it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I could upgrade, mm-hmm. which would mean getting an OLED switch, which would be, you know, I've heard at least somebody say, and this is where I'm going to be repeating what I think somebody's going to say on the Get Played podcast, that handheld on an OLED switch is arguably the best way to play Tears of the Kingdom. Like it mm. like it looks best on that screen, yeah. better than it does on the best television screen. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and uh, but so basically the conclusion that I have come to is it's it's not an expense that I can justify and it's good for both me and Dana that we have to take turns that we are yeah, yeah, yeah. that we are playing both of these games and that we are limited at least somewhat in that we can't play them both simultaneously mm-hmm. that's fair. And, and I was also thinking how much of a hassle is it going to be I like having my save file where mm-hmm. I want it to be, I don't even know. There's some I... amount of transferring you can do. Yeah. Because when I got the Zelda Switch, I had sort of been on the fence about it. And I actually got it and it got delivered that day, mm-hmm. but in the afternoon. And so I started playing on my normal Switch and um, then like set it up and they were like, 
we see that you have another switch. And I was mm-hmm. like, I do. Yes. And they were like, do you want to transfer this over? And I was like, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like they sort of live there simultaneously. Right. But I also haven't touched the other switch since I <laughs> got the Zelda one because I'm only from Zelda. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I can put that aside. I decided I'm not going to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you made me think of that I wanted to say is that Breath of the Wild to Tears of the Kingdom, my experience with this is part of a larger phenomenon that I've uh, observed in my own behavior, mm-hmm. which is uh, when there's a big AAA game, uh, I am not interested to play it when it comes out. Mm-hmm. But in the years that follow, I get around to playing it. Mm-hmm. And usually when I get around to playing it, it means either it went on sale or it became possible for me to play it for free. Mm-hmm. And what that also does is that when I enjoy playing that, it sets me up to want to play the sequel when it comes out. Ah, uh, Yeah. And I end up buying the sequel right when it comes out and playing it right away. Oh, like this happened with God of War. Exactly. So this yeah. happened with God of War. Didn't play the 2018 one until I got a PS5. I could play it for free. And then Ragnarok came out and I was ready for it. Bought it, played it right away. This is also true for Horizon. They gave Horizon away for free. I played it. I played the sequel right away. Um, funny thing about Horizon... Um, I'm just pointing out what other people have pointed out and I've Mm -hmm. heard them do it. Uh, the first horizon game came out right around the time breath of the wild came out. Mm -hmm. So it was totally overshadowed by that. Mm -hmm. And horizon two came out right around the time Elden ring came out. I think think they were like a week apart, (laughs) but I didn't play Elden ring. And so I was the very rare person who was playing horizon two when everyone else was playing Elden Ring. I remember you saying that because I had joked every time Kenny was playing Elden Ring, I would say, oh, sure would be nice if you had a glider. Mm-hmm. And you sent me a screenshot of you playing Horizon where you were gliding somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> to a lesser extent, this is true of uh, Ration and Clank. Um, I don't think I played Rift Apart right away when it came out. Mm-hmm. But I got to play the previous game for free and then I was ready to play Rift Apart. And then I've done half of this with um, Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. So I haven't gotten Jedi Survivor because I think it came out like a couple of weeks before Tears of the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. But I recently played Jedi Fallen Order when they gave it away for free. Mm -hmm. And now I'm ready to play Jedi Survivor and I intend to, but I'm not going to do that for a little while yet. Yeah. I guess one, I, the best way that I can think of for getting into the bulk of the Tears of the Kingdom conversation is mm-hmm. you can go about answering this either way that you want. First impressions or the sort of the big question that I think is on the table, which is, which game do you like better? Okay, I'm going to do first impressions. Okay. And I'm going to do first impressions by referencing an article that I read. 
um, which which we can link in the show notes show notes because I know I sent it to my friend Jay, um, which is basically that uh, game developers are not totally sure how Tears of the Kingdom exists. Uh-huh. Um, by which I mean, if you let's compare it to another. Okay, so first off, let me back. Let me go back to some facts. Tears of the Kingdom sold 10 million copies in the first three days that it came out. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially the most that a game has ever sold in three days. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see that they ran out of digital copies? <laughs> no, I did not see that. So I was like, how was that possible? And basically, because in my mind, this is how it works. It works like when I send an email attachment. I... Go to my email, I hit attach, it attaches the file, making a copy of it because it doesn't do anything with the file in my computer, and then I hit send. That's what I thought was happening anytime anybody bought and downloaded a video game. Apparently not. Apparently they pre-make the copies, I assume because they're so big, like the files are so large, and then when you buy a copy, they take one of those copies and send you that data. Mm-hmm. And so because of this, even though they had made thousands and thousands and thousands of copies, they mm-hmm. sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, now let's compare this to the only other game that has technically sold this many copies in three days, but based on a, a very small sort of um, uh, technicality, mm-hmm. it really actually sold five million and five million. Mm. Can you guess what game this is? Pokemon? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Ah. Sold about 10 million copies in three days. Um, but because the they're two different games, they have tech, they have different SKUs, so it's yeah. like a different thing. Mm-hmm. But you look at po- that game, wildly popular, and I loved playing it. Glitchy as fuck. Right. It's like the people, and it's not just that it's glitchy, it's like low poly. Mm-hmm. Like, you you see somebody at a distance and they're like... <laughs> yeah. Liz is doing the robot, basically. The towns are, like, strangely... The towns feel strangely empty compared to, like, gate, like Pokemon Blue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, And so when I say that... I read this article that was basically, like, game developers aren't sure how Zelda exists... Like, Tears of the Kingdom exists... One of the big things about Tears of the Kingdom is that in Breath of the Wild, they basically gave you a couple of different mechanics up front mm-hmm. um, that you, which I know that you know this, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, up front that instead of sort of making you wait like before, like before right. it used to be like you go to one, ju- you go to a dungeon, you get a weapon, that weapon specific to the dungeon then that weapon lets you unlock other things in the game. You spend the whole game, like, progression means you get, like, there are levels, like a video game, right? And Mm -hmm. for each level, you get a new ability. Exactly. And the, the one of the innovations of Breath of the Wild is, let's give you all the game's big abilities in a tutorial that lasts for, like, the first few hours of the game yes. and then go uh, and then go nuts and so you get magnesis you get where you can uh you can move things, metal move metal you get stasis where you can freeze, freeze something things, and then hit it and it goes momentum off with extra builds, power yep um you get bombs square and bombs, round yep 
And what was... The, I always forget the fourth one. I it's obviously It's the don't freezing use it. water. Yeah. Didn't ever use that. Making ice platforms. Cryonysis. Wherever the... Cry... Cry... cry which you cry can on. climb, which is the big right. thing. Mm-hmm. And people took that and just broke the game with it. In sure. the In the best way. So they basically were like, here's a bunch of puzzles that I have to solve. I'm going to solve them in a way that the developers never intended. Mm-hmm. And so in Tears of the Kingdom... Those developers said, okay, how about that? But we're going to double down. Right. Like, we're going to, we're going we're, to. F- we're going to basically give you an explicit invitation mm-hmm. to get really creative about how you solve some puzzles that, in a lot of cases, have simple, sometimes obvious solutions. Yes, but it might be difficult. And so you you can get into those situations where, like, maybe you should be stronger before you do something. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw... So, and then... The, so the powers in this game, then, are... The main one is Master Hand. Ultra that allows, Hand, yeah. What is it? Ultra Hand. Ultra Hand, sorry. Um, that one lets you glue shit together. And move basically anything. It's basically yeah. magnesis, but it's not exclusive to metal objects. You can move whatever, like small Koroks that have two heavy backpacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you get fuse where you can fuse things onto your weapons, so you can make weapons that are more weapony. Yep, melee weapons, shields, and arrows can be fused with things in the environment. Ascend, which lets you go up through a ceiling as long as it's not too far up, and as long as there's nothing blocking you from coming out the top. Yep. And then, um, uh. Recall. Recall. I always want to call it restart. Or rewind. Because that's what Elliot calls it. (laughs) I want to call it rewind, but I think it's recall. Um, Where if something's moving, um, you can use recall and it'll move it backwards. And so that's that, you know, you use for things like defeating enemies, also for getting onto rocks that fell from the sky. Mm -hmm. Also, um, I don't know if you know this, but if you move something. Yes. You can make you can move something the way you want it to move, and yeah. then use recall, and it'll go back to where it was. I have which, solved a number of puzzles this way. Yeah, where I'm just like, well, I want to take this from there to there. Well, what if I just ultra hand it, push it <laughs> away from me with ultra hand, bring <laughs> yeah. it back, and get then, on it, <laughs> and then I use, yeah, get on it yeah. and use recall on it. Yes, and so people have been doing things like, um, like just making like log bridges that are like 40 logs long and just Mm -hmm. carrying them with them everywhere and like using them to climb mountains and stuff sure um but the reason to bring it back is that i have run into in however many hours i've played this game zero glitches Mm. Mm -hmm. i have not run into a single time where something didn't didn't react the way i expected you know, was suddenly like glitching out a little bit where it was going like rah, 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 in the motion mm-hmm. where it, um, you know, was just like looked bad even, even if it still worked the way. Right. I know that there have been some like glitches that people were using that were like duplication glitches and stuff that they just patched with the first patch. But in terms of the way that the game is actually physically functioning, right? I have run into none of that. And yeah. the the people, the article that I was reading was basically saying, like, people who develop games are looking at this and they are not sure because the Switch also doesn't have the same power, gaming power, right. as like the 
I guess, the PS5 and definitely not like some of the gaming computers that people have. Yeah, it's it's a generation behind even by console standards, forgetting about PC gaming. Yeah. And so the fact that they were able, it just feels like it makes, it feels very similar to um, Goldeneye to me, mm. where Goldeneye, like, especially if you read uh, friend of the pod, Elise Knorr's book on Goldeneye 64, which I do highly recommend, not just because she's my friend, but because it's really good. Like, the the shit that they did to, like, make everything fit into that game, like, they were literally at, you know, basically they would build the game out and it would be perfect, except that it would be too laggy because mm-hmm. there was too much information. So they would go out and they'd be, like, deleting individual polygons that you mm-hmm. probably wouldn't see. Right. And they were able to get everything to fit, including this multiplayer thing that was last you know right. they threw it in at the last and like they did it in a month or something and they weren't supposed to do it yeah but it was so fun they kept it in and um that's that's sort of how i'm thinking about breath of the wild like i mean i just feel tears like of the kingdom, yeah. tears of the kingdom i feel like they must have just been doing back flips to mm. get everything to work um and 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 i'm almost done um <laughs> um the other thing about that is that um it was delayed like a year. Yeah, that's that. I was just gonna bring up the same thing you're saying now. Yeah, and like the full. I think the the reason that they said, you know, I saw this other article that was like, well, yeah, the reason that we delayed it a year was because we could have put it out, but it was still kind of glitchy. Right. It and wasn't, we just right. It just we, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> and so they waited for it to be ostensibly perfect. Yes. Right. Exactly. Um. So, which is to say, um, my first impressions are. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, I, 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 to answer part of your, your other question about which one I like more, it sort of feels like a Majora's Mask Ocarina situation mm. where. Can I say what I think you mean? Yes. Cause I think it's, it's funny enough. One of, one of my students, remember when I could say that? Yeah. For two years. I had students because I was a graduate <laughs> student and I taught undergraduates. And one of my undergrad students asked me which I prefer, Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I think I was repeating what I've heard other people say, which is like, Ocarina of Time justifiably has the bigger reputation yeah. for being the landmark, but it's, but it's actually more fun to play Majora's Mask. Yeah, exactly. It feels like that situation because we wouldn't have Tears of the Kingdom without Breath of the Wild. Right. Tears of the Kingdom is always going to be in Breath of the Wild's shadow because it's a direct sequel and they have so much in common. So, but- Tears yeah. of the Kingdom Tears of the Kingdom doesn't have the ground level like baseline like innovation like breakthrough mm-hmm. uh that that Breath of the Wild had because Breath of the Wild was first and all the stuff that they have in common which a lot mm-hmm. is no longer a novelty because Breath of the Wild did it first. Mm-hmm. But like I think you're saying Tears of the Kingdom like it's so big and it's like, it's not, because it, I know one of the criticisms that people had were like, well, I was already here. And it's like, 
No, like the the Sky Islands are huge. I we haven't even talked about the depths yet, but there's a whole second map essentially. Um, and then like the things that you can do. And honestly, one of the biggest joys of playing this game for me has been um the fact that I was already familiar with it and yet got to play an entirely new game. Mm-hmm. Um because I didn't have to, I mean I had to learn the new mechanics, but I didn't have to totally relearn the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, and, and also, and this is just like a small thing, but like these characters didn't forget you. Mm-hmm. And so every time I see someone and they're like, Link, it's so good to see you. I just like melt a little bit, you know, yes, right. I'm like, oh, it's my friend. <laughs> well, yes. And that, that uh, you said that you've, uh, of the four regional phenomena, you've done the most in the Zora I'm, I've almost beaten the Zora one, and I've been to the Rito village and right. um, got stuck finding Tulin, and I have not been to the Gerudo Valley or to um, Death Mountain yet at all. But since you've done more the most in the Zora region, I know that you've already seen one of my favorite parts of the game, which is when a character whose name I can't remember now, but you probably will, introduces herself, and she says, I am Prince Sidon's, oh, excuse me. I am your best friend's fiance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like that's a way better joke than I <laughs> that I'm expecting from from one of these games. Oh, which which in terms of jokes, when you first meet Raru, yeah, um, and he gets introduced formally, do you remember what his like Chiron says? No, I don't. Oh my god. I died. It says Raru. And of course, I'm watching this like, I know who the fuck Raru is. Raru is Kapoor Gabora. Raru is the head of the Seven Sages in Ocarina of Time. I'm losing my shit right now. They're bringing back the Sages. It says, source of the right arm. Mm-hmm. And it's so, because I think also, when you see those sort of title cards, I think you, I think you sort of, like in that moment, I was like, oh, this is what Link is thinking. Mm. Like, when you get introduced to Zelda, it's like, Zelda looks at Zelda and it says, Zelda, Princess of Hyrule, right? Mm -hmm. Link's like, that's the Princess of Hyrule. You meet Raru, you don't know who the fuck he is yet, and you're just like, ah. That's that's where my new arm came from. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah. As Sarah said, I like when they make jokes. Yes, right. (laughs) Well, so just side note, a lot of times I don't like when they make jokes because a lot of their jokes are puns. And I it's not that I dislike puns. Mm-hmm. I enjoy puns sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's just, a lot of their puns are real stretches. And I think what is happening <laughs> is, oh, this was originally written in Japanese. I oh. I think there they must be a pun that might be good in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And the translators are like, we have to preserve that this is a funny character or a funny moment. Yeah. So we need to write our own pun. And that's and so, hard. And yes, right. And so you get something like the the guy who, the really weird guy who runs the dye shop in Hatno Village, uh-huh. instead of saying all done, he says all tone. <laughs> And those are two words that look a lot alike, but they don't sound enough alike. That like that's not a good pun. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, which gets me to look, I have a hundred things that I want to say right now. And I, it like the order is going to be so arbitrary. Yeah. Go ahead. But just talking about language and translation. This is definitely going to come up on the get played podcast because I got mm-hmm. this idea from a tweet by one of the hosts. Oh, okay. Heather Ann Campbell, who is so brilliant. I can't uh-huh. stand it sometimes. <laughs> But she tweeted um, one of the first things that she did in Tears of the Kingdom was she switched the language that you hear from English to Japanese. Oh. So that all of the lip flaps and different gestures that they make make more sense. Uh Uh-huh. And you just read the English subtitles. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend doing this. Because it makes the game into like what it makes the cutscenes into watching an anime. Yeah. Which I really like doing. And the Japanese voice acting is awesome. Yeah. And I don't think that you're really missing out on anything major by not hearing the English voice acting. Mm -hmm. No offense intended to Mm -hmm. anyone. Um, The only drawback is, and I don't think it's much of a drawback, I think it's more interesting. Mm-hmm. is that when you read the subtitles, the subtitles are not a translation of the Japanese. The subtitles are the captions that you would be right. reading if, if you, you were, were hearing the English. The English. Yeah. And so sometimes it's obvious when there's a disparity there. When like, like, like sentence order is different because... Or of- like the only thing that you will hear a character say is linku. Mm-hmm. And the caption on the bottom says, come on, or, <laughs> or something like that. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, clearly that's not a direct translation. Yeah. But I think you get the gist. Yeah. And it's really, really fun. I mean, like, I guess I may, I should be a little bit self-conscious saying this because I'm like a white guy who's like probably guilty to some extent of like fetishizing Japanese well, culture. But, but it's really I- fun to hear them say like, master sordo you know and yeah. like all those like loan words and like the 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 character names that are the same and stuff mm-hmm. like that Hearing i know too like i've a, i every so often there's like a twitter debate on like why you would watch a dubbed version of anime when you could like read subtitles uh-huh. um and i think most people sort of land on like yeah you should just read the subtitles and like watch the original voice actors um yeah. i i have one Um, very strong argument to not do that, which is that if, for example, you would like to watch Ponyo Mm -hmm. with your five-year-old who cannot read, (laughs) I'm not going to make Elliot wait until she can read to watch Ponyo. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that what you're saying makes sense and um, is actually, you know, honoring the game. Yeah, Um, I I think we shared totally the same opinion about the subs and dubs issue. Like subs are always preferable because it's neat to hear the original voice acting, Mm -hmm. but sometimes dubs are helpful or necessary. They're good for kids. Mm -hmm. They're good for if God forbid you want to watch an anime, but not give it a hundred percent of your attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Occasionally it's fun to hear an English dub because somebody famous did the voice acting did I, would, I tell you that Secret World of Ariete has two different dubs, by the way? I don't recall this. It has a dub that is, um, the American dub has, like, 
oh, the guy from Hunger Games and some other people. The British dub, the boy is voiced by Tom Holland. Oh, I did not know that. And like the American dub, the parents are played by um, fucking Amy Poehler and her ex-husband, whose name Will I can't. Arnett. Will Arnett. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing voice acting by Will Arnett, by the way, like very different than what he normally does. Oh, that's interesting. Um, it's like normally, you know, he's very like. <gasps> he has a very recognizable voice. And yes. like very jokey. And he plays like a really serious hmm. not deadpan but like very serious and thoughtful character mm. really great yeah um but yeah then the british version i think Ariete's voiced by saoirse ronan yeah mm-hmm. and then tom holland is the boy and there were there was somebody else on the um like of one of the adult characters that i can't remember but i was like holy shit <laughs> this is I, where can i because i don't think i can get the british dub like i don't think mm. like i think if i'm you know, doing the settings like on right. HBO. Or, yeah. Excuse me. Max. Max. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. That was just a side note because like, yeah, uh, in terms of famous people, because like, yeah, right. when I found that out, I was like, what the fuck? I want to I watch Tom Holland be the boy in Ariete. Well, I was just going to bring up the example that I always think of, which is uh, if I'm going to watch Porco Rosso, I would rather watch the Japanese original and read the subs but if i enjoy the dub i get to hear michael keaton yeah <laughs> play porco rosso which yeah. is pretty good yeah the uh, ghibli the ghibli films are a little bit of a an outlier because like initially when they did have dubs they were like really bad and then when those movies got slightly when ghibli became more famous they redid a bunch of them right mm-hmm. um and then they were all famous people <laughs> and um and miyazaki has the the best quote on the issue which ironically is not a pro sub quote mm-hmm. even though we're pro sub people but it's attributed to Miyazaki you know all animation is dubbed right? yeah that's true yeah um so anyway getting back to uh the way that I wanted to respond to your first impressions yeah so um my first impressions were one in the first portion of the game you know what I mean I was a little bit shocked how similar it was to Breath of the Wild. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's interesting that they really like said like, oh, what we did there, that's a formula now and we're going to stick with it. Yeah, I I think that I sort I sort of felt like they did that, though, just to give people something because the powers are so wide ranging. I remember thinking, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they gave us that as like a little bit of a like warm bathwater situation, like ease your way in. I think it's done really well. And I don't think that I could improve upon it. Mm -hmm. I was just a little scandalized (laughs) playing it and being like, this is exactly the same. Yeah. And then the other thing I was really uh, surprised by sort of unpleasantly was it took me so long to get the glider. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, but that also is kind of neat. I mean, like they did it for a reason. Like yeah. I, I, they, they, it is a reason why they make you jump off the sky Island before they give you the glider. They're like, yeah. look, this is possible. Um, but still I want that. I wanted that glider, you know, and I was like, when is this coming? <laughs> Side note, Auden told me once, cause Auden's been watching people play. And I said something like, did you see this yet? And like somebody playing it? And they said, no, but I did see somebody just jump into one of the chasms because they forgot they didn't have a glider yet. Uh Yeah. 
<laughs> like they were so used to playing Breath of the Wild, they mm-hmm. were just like, ah! Yes, right, <laughs> exactly. They really set you up for moments like that. Maybe that's yeah. a good thing. So, um, all right, now I'm going to make, I think, a high-level observation that is probably obvious to everyone who's played these two games. Yeah. But I want to talk about it anyway, because I think it's interesting. What 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 makes these two games that like themselves, right? Is is in a way that's like crystal clear what the intention was. Mm-hmm. It is encapsulated in the moment that you get the title, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit longer to get there in Tears of the Kingdom. But in Breath of the Wild, the moment that you get out of the resurrection chamber or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. the game pauses to really take in the landscape as link looks over a cliffside you see the castle in the distance you see all sorts of stuff and it says breath of the wild and it's like oh okay i get it Mm -hmm. this perfectly encapsulates like the the guiding like design principle of the game world is sprawl right mm-hmm. it's about sprawl and traversing sprawl like unbelievable sprawl and then you have to sequelize that and it's like okay what do you do do you do you make a second sprawling world do you mm-hmm. sprawl out even farther from the world that you created and then when you get the tears of the kingdom title it's like oh he jumped off from a really high distance and he's gonna fall for a really long time and the camera's gonna pan around him lovingly as you like can't believe that how far that he's falling and it's like oh okay i get it you you the the guiding principle of the sequel uh, which i i think the reason that this is interesting to talk about is that Mm -hmm. it is such a such a good idea for how to make a sequel mm-hmm. to something that seems like it would be really hard to sequelize mm-hmm. because how do you do more of what you did in a way where you you give people what they have come to expect but you don't just do the same thing a second time yeah and it's like, well, we went vertical. Yes. It's yes. like the, the guiding principle is encapsulated in this title screen moment. You go up, the sprawl goes up and down now. Mm-hmm. It's not just climbing mountains. It's also, there's a whole uh, additional version of the map that's in the sky where there are hovering islands. And not Mm -hmm. only that, but there is also a whole underworld Mm -hmm. and, and that's the depths and it's like, okay, you can see, you can see the intent of what makes this game, this game Mm -hmm. and how that is like a clever expansion upon the guiding principle of the original of the previous game to be like, here, you know, here it was, it was sprawl, which is mostly horizontal except for climbing is sort of vertical yeah in the first one and now it's totally vertical it's it's sky it's depths it's falling it's rising um ascending it's ascending exactly so that gets me to perfect transition to the other thing that i wanted to say 
when you were talking about first impressions, you talked about the main powers Mm -hmm. of the two games. This is, I think, the number one reason why Tears of the Kingdom is better. Yeah. And it's not only recency bias. Mm-hmm. I think certainly there is some recency bias acting on me when I think that Tears of the Kingdom is the better game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I can only attribute my opinion to recency bias. I attribute it to several things. I think number one on that list of things is the powers are so much better. So much better. So much better. So to the point that I, I'm always looking for ways to use them. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, I was most of the time looking for ways to not have to use magnesis, yeah. time stop, freeze I use, water. I use the bombs the most. That sure. is actually one thing that I miss. The one thing I miss from Breath of the Wild is not having unlimited bombs. I definitely understand why you say that. And I understand feeling that way. I don't feel the same way. I don't Mm -hmm. miss it. And I do like that bombs are scarce. Yeah. Oh, I definitely, it's probably better like game design. But there's, but there's (laughs) totally, there's loads and loads of ways that I would feel the same way that you feel. Like, I recognize that this is better game design because it's, uh, you know, a challenge. Like it ramps up the difficulty or mm-hmm. something. But it's like, but it's annoying to play, and so yeah, yeah. I don't like it, even if it is good, quote unquote, good game design. Mm-hmm. In this specific instance, mm-hmm. I I think I prefer the limitation yeah. of not having unlimited bombs and there being sort of a scarcity of bombs. Um, and I will gladly take what I do have over not only bombs, but Oh, absolutely. All the other powers. Yes. Um the 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 uh, saying the same thing another way, those powers in Breath of the Wild always felt a little bit separate from so this this kind of sort of gets to a, a separate point, mm-hmm. which is going back to the subject of traversal. Mm-hmm. That to me is the main appeal of both games. Yes. Right. The, so I would sort of break down what you might enjoy about these games into there's traversal, mm-hmm. there's combat. Yeah, the thing and, I don't like about the games. And there's <laughs> the story. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would add? to that list like when i say traversal i'm lumping in like discovering like when you discover a cave when you yeah yeah i think it probably falls under traversal but it's big enough that i would say um puzzle solving Mm, mm -hmm. is its own like one of the reasons i love these games both of these games that's um, is that i get like especially like part of the reason i love the shrine so much is because i get to just solve puzzles like that's wild to me that this is essentially it's not essentially a puzzle game but like normally it's like puzzle games combat games and 
you know, combat games have some puzzles in them, but right. they're not like, it's not like a puzzle game, you know? And then there's like, you know, the point and click RNGs that have puzzles in them. And like, that's the point of the game is the puzzles. Right. To have a game that has a full fledged combat system, necessary thing to do, like, something you could focus on and then you can also just focus totally on puzzles <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you said this because this reminded me of something that i did want to say but i might have forgotten otherwise because i mm-hmm. don't think i wrote it down in my notes which i have by the way you have notes will i um i wanted to okay so imagine breath of the wild doesn't exist yet okay And you think, okay, there's a new Zelda game coming and Nintendo is going to try and innovate more so than other Zelda iterations that we've seen in past several years. Mm -hmm. I would, I think, um, not really being able to fully put myself into that frame of mind, knowing what I know, I would imagine that they would be trying if they're trying to replicate the success of anything else non-zelda mm-hmm. they would be trying to keep up with action games like say like the assassin's creed franchise yeah or you know something really popular like that where you would got where you're a guy and you go around and you fight and it's combat and you kill people or like any of the souls games any of the souls games exactly right so imagine my surprise when I think that the successful game franchise that Breath of the Wild owes the most to in terms of inspiration and almost ripping it off is Portal. Portal. Yes. A game <laughs> where all you do is solve puzzles with a type of gun. With physics. And it's first person and it seemingly has like nothing to do with Zelda. Yeah. Right? And the shrines are just test chambers from yes, Portal. Yes, it's just Portal. It's just what if Portal had the, instead of taking you from one chamber to the next, Yeah. what if Portal had the most amazing overworld you ever saw <laughs> in a video game to get between the levels? Okay, so uh, uh, that was a digression. What, we were Can- talking about the powers and why oh, the yeah. new game is better. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Can I have a digression about Elden Ring really quick? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, sure. Which is, by the same token to what you're saying, one of, I think, the criticisms that games get sometimes is that, like, they're too hard or too easy. Right, exactly. So, like, people who are really good at video games will be like, that game's too easy. But people who just maybe want to play them, not that Uh I know anybody like that, um, might say that's too hard. Right. Um, And I think that something that they did that was really smart in this game is they gave, I mean, because oh, there's always been like a, you can play this game as hard as you want if you just don't like power up your shit, right? Mm-hmm. But by the same token, they were like, oh, you want the game to be hard? We can make you a version of the game that's hard. And they created the depths, which is mm. hard. It's so hard. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. And let me just say, I had texted my brother it's scary. And he said, well, it's a Zelda game. And I said, it's scary. And like two, like later that night, he texted me, okay, I went into the depths. It's hard as fuck down there. And I was like, thank you. 
But okay. my point yeah, is, is that, that like... That's fair. This is another thing like the bombs uh-huh. where I understand feeling that way. I don't agree with you. That I, it's difficult? Correct. Okay. Well, see, this it is it, why I'm bad at video games, Will. The, the, <laughs> the game... The, the, I was saying earlier how like bombs are scarce. Yeah. The game has a ton of different resources mm-hmm. and it doles them out in different differing degrees of scarcity. Yeah. The least scarce resource in the entire game is bright bloom seeds. Oh yes. Which I always have way more of than I need. Yes. And and it is not hard to throw a bright bloom seed. That's not hard. But the gloom getting you and bringing down your hearts is hard. So but it's easy to avoid that. You just throw bright bloom seeds around. See, is it easy to avoid that? Because I, I so. went back into the depths for the first time after really bulking up and mm-hmm. was really having a problem with it. <laughs> well, yeah. See, I'm see I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> My experience is that there's there's not much of a challenge there. It's it's more it's more it's one of those things Mm-hmm. That I think is a little more annoying because it's time consuming mm-hmm. than it is actually challenging to do. Well, my point is, I think it's difficult. So mm-hmm. for somebody who is not good at those sorts of things. I don't see. see the, my So the point that I actually want to make is that I think that the way that you are contextualizing this uh-huh. as like, if you're good at games and you want a hard mode, just go down to the depths. I, I don't think that that holds water. I because- think that it holds water because, well, let me finish what I was going to say, which is that Kenny went down into the depths very early mm-hmm. when he only had like four hearts or something, five hearts maybe. Yeah. And so for him, navigating down there was really time was probably time consuming but it was also very like he had to be very strategic he had to really um you know it was early and like he was he was down there when i was like you know i need to get as many shrines as possible he was just like oh i'll just like he was like hanging out down there instead of finding shrines and so like was not really bulking up his resources in the same way and um i I think that if you take directions from the game, uh-huh. the game puts you down there pretty early. Yeah, and then I got right back up. <laughs> yeah, but if you follow directions, like you don't need to stay down there long. Uh-huh. You basically just have to complete two missions that aren't that don't take very long, that don't require you to explore very much down there. Mm-hmm. But my but my point is i don't i don't think that kenny was doing anything that makes the game a lot more difficult than the game intends itself to be i think that it is more challenging by definition if you are playing a version of the game where your hearts cannot just go down but also not be able to be refilled Unless you get to certain checkpoints. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's the best argument in your favor. Yeah. And so my point is that like Kenny, who is very used to doing things because of the Souls games in this really methodical, really sort of like 
like you just can't run into it. You have to really think about how you're going to attack something or not attack something. Um, he was really drawn to the depths mm-hmm. in a way that I will never be. Right. <laughs> and I think that that is, a, I think it, it changes. It takes a sort of, I also think it takes a core level of Zelda gameplay and adds an element or a nuance to it that it has not ever had before, which is that you have hearts and then you, they go up or they go down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, which is to say that, but also all of this is to say that you can play the game the way you want. Yeah, this this raises a thing that is interesting to me, which is that most modern games that I play, like say God of War or Horizon, mm-hmm. they start you off, unfortunately, I, I think it is unfortunate, unfortunately mm-hmm. with some settings. Like, mm-hmm. how br- can you see this image? Turn the brightness up or down. And I think really unfortunate. I understand why it's there, but I really, for, for me, for my type of gaming, I really don't like it. They ask you, like, what difficulty do you want to play the game on? Mm-hmm. I, uh, this, this game doesn't have any of that. No. And I love that. Yeah. I love that there's just one difficulty and it's the game. This is the game. <laughs> there's no hard mode. Yeah. But you can, if you just mostly want to try to get puzzles, you can mostly just play puzzles. Right. If you want to just like get really good at hitting things, you can mostly focus on combat. And if you want to have to be really strategic with the way that you're moving through a world before you maybe get all those hearts... You can go into the depths. Absolutely. So this gets us back to, so with your help, you mentioned puzzle solving. Yes. I would break this down into, you know, appreciate, you know, uh, uh, levels on which you might appreciate the game mm-hmm. or, or grade it, perhaps. Traversal, puzzle solving, combat, and the story. Yeah. And I, I, You've already alluded to this or or said it outright. The the main criticism that if I ever hear criticism of Breath of the Wild, and now it's Mm -hmm. basically the exact same thing is true of Tears of the Kingdom because they have so much in common in in this in these regards. Mm -hmm. The criticism is that it's too easy, both on the levels of combat and puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. The combat is too repetitive. Um, it's, it's, it's not fun to do the combat because it's just the same basic stuff over and over again. Um, it's not hard to defeat those same enemies the Mm -hmm. 1000th time you do it. Same is true for a lot of the puzzle solving. The answer is sort of right in front of you. Yeah. It's pretty simple to put the pieces together. Um, and it's it's not really a challenge. So then that sort of begs the question, well, if I look at a puzzle and I know the solution more or less immediately, mm-hmm. is it at least fun for me to execute the solution? Mm-hmm. And the answer is it's nine times out of ten way more fun in Tears of the Kingdom than it was in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I agree. And I think 
for me personally, there's enough variety in there are puzzles that do stump me mm-hmm. as well as loads of puzzles where I'm never stumped and not really challenged mentally. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like actually like the main point that I want to make when I'm talking about like breaking down the game in these ways. Yeah. My response to the criticisms is I don't need all four of those things to be great or even good Mm -hmm. in order for me to love the game so much that it's like 10 out of 10. Like, like if the traversal is, is good enough to like that to me is the point of it. That to me is the level on which I am most appreciating it. Yeah. And so the combat and the puzzle solving and the story don't need to be at that level. They just need to be at like a competent level. Yeah. And that's where I think they're at. I think that like the combat is at like a competent level. That's Mm -hmm. fine. That's not what I'm playing the game for. And it's not actively taking away from my appreciation of the game. Mm -hmm. The puzzle solving is like a notch above that. The story, which we can get into, but probably not too much, because I think I probably know a lot more of the story than you do (laughs) at this point. Yeah. I'm really surprised at how much I'm engaging with the story. Really? Yeah. Like... I was really afraid you... I actually came into this thinking, Will doesn't like the story. And I was totally prepared to feel that way, because I don't... (laughs) I don't think of the Zelda games... As having stories that are all that compelling. Yeah. If you like like a Zelda story, you're going to like all of them because they're iterations. That's the point. I'm really surprised at how compelled I am uh, with the story of this game Uh compared to the last one. Obviously, Traversal is last on the list. And that's obviously, as I already said, that's number one in my mind. That's as great as it is. That's all I need it to be. Mm-hmm. But like the story, like, like I think that you've played enough of the game that it's not a spoiler to say, like, there's an imposter Zelda in the world. Yes. Like that's that's interesting. Like yeah, that's, that's horrifying. That's something that I never expected them to do. Yeah. And this that is just one example. Of which there there's a handful of examples mm-hmm. that I won't get into the others because I think I would get into spoilers. I can say that I like, finished the glyphs. Okay, so we can get into. <laughs> have you have you beat Ganondorf? No, that is so. Where I'm at in the game is if if I were really specific about this, I think I would get into spoilers. But yeah, I think uh, without spoiling much of anything i can say that where i'm at in the game is the main quest i have left is called defeat ganondorf (laughs) good very good yeah i um i saw kenny beat the rito temple Mm -hmm. i am about to beat the zora water temple though i will have to basically quit quit what I'm doing, go collect some more splash fruit and then go back. Yeah. Um, 
I have no idea what's happening otherwise. I mean, I think, I think, as I think, you know, obviously we're not getting too, too spoilery in here, but I think that if you know anything about Ocarina of Time and you know that who Rauru is, as soon as you see Rauru, you know, oh shit, the seven sages are coming back and it's pretty easy. I mean, people had already suspected this because there were seven tears and in the imagery that we got in the trailers. But yeah, I got all the, so if, if you don't want to hear about the glyphs, you know, you've listened to an hour and a half, so maybe you can just skip ahead a little bit, but yeah, shit. Zelda's a dragon. <laughs> so we have to, yeah, so the other thing that we have to talk about is, I I guess I, I need to get your opinion in the context of, you've devoted an episode of this podcast to time travel. I know. Specifically time travel as a narrative device to manipulate the audience's emotions emotions. and i i do i want to hear your opinion mine is this is one of the things that is working best for me about this game yeah it's really scratching an itch for me uh i i think i already realized this but it's reminded me something i love in fiction is this trope of loads of stuff that is true in the present day was set up in the distant past. Yeah. Because somebody in the distant past had knowledge of what the future will be like. Mm -hmm. And so the main character is encountering conditions that were set up for them by someone, someone in the distant past making them that way on perp by, by design. Yeah. Yeah. This game is full of that, and I and I love it. <laughs> I do. I do, I do love it. For it. I um. I think that this is doing it. So this. I. I think you're right. First off, I think that it is doing this. Something. I don't know if I talked about this in the time travel episode, but like this is a. You know, for a long time, it's not really recent. Link was the hero of time, mm-hmm. and um, in some ways, he's always the hero of time because he keeps coming back if that Mm -hmm. makes sense yeah but he wasn't really truly the hero of time since ocarina and here he's not really the hero of time that we know of um based on what i've seen so far um but yeah so zelda in the beginning scene finds a tear on the ground gets sent back in time to the original king and queen of hyrule and she's buddies with them and um She's trying to figure out how she, she somehow figures out how to call to Link and get the Master Sword sent back. Um, and these tears, you know, amplify these people's powers, but they don't create them. So they're sort of like um, magnifying glasses, lenses. And so Zelda's trying to figure out how she can get to the future. And I will say, um, I think that I thought that she was just going to have to figure out a way to use her power to get to the future. And instead they were like, what if we did the most fucked up thing we could do to Zelda? Mm-hmm. Which is turn her into a dragon. An immortal dragon. You, an immortal dragon. Because when you swallow one of the secret stones, you become an immortal dragon. Now what that means to the other dragons that we already know that are named after the three, not angels, what do they call them? And goddesses, the three goddesses yeah. that, mm-hmm. um, you know, created the Triforce. Mm-hmm. Who can say? 
I will say the other thing that I think is very interesting about this is that in the last game, the dragons would, like, go into these, like, portals into the sky and, like, disappear. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that the Sky Islands and those dragons have actually been behind some sort of cloud barrier, very similar to Skyward Sword. Mm Mm-hmm. It felt very good that that felt like in-game canon to me, mm. like on multiple levels, like both in terms of Breath of the Wild and in terms of like canonically with like Skyward Sword. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, having like Zelda go back and then basically like like give the pad to that um, construct to hold on to for 10,000 years. And, you know, once the barrier breaks, the idea that like this Zelda dragon's been beyond this i'm calling it cloud barrier and then is just weeping memories for link to pick up because i was like well how are they going to do the memories again and um they kept calling them dragons tears and i was like that's fucking weird (laughs) yeah i think that it's it's working really well the one thing i will say and this is one of those things where like i i feel like sometimes when you have criticisms i'm like yeah but it's zelda that's what zelda does What I'm about to say is, yeah, but it's Zelda. That's what Zelda does. (laughs) Which is that Zelda's always waiting. She's always waiting for Link. She's this powerful... She's got the Triforce of Wisdom. I don't know if the Triforce... I mean, we, we see Triforce symbology here, but we don't explicitly talk about it in the same way. Right. And she's either waiting for you to grow up and hiding as a Sheikah. Or a Sheikah. Or she's waiting for you to heal as she's inside of Calamity Ganon, holding him in for a hundred years. And now they were like, what if we made her wait for fucking 10,000 years? And it's really fucked up. And I, but also I'm just like, I don't know. It's like not real, but I just feel so bad that this character just is always waiting. Like, mm-hmm. she's just waiting to be not saved. Because it's not even that she's waiting to be saved. It's waiting so that she can team up with this person that has to help her. Mm-hmm. So that they can do this together. Yeah. Um. And the one thing that I was, like, really hoping would happen. And people have been talking about this. Um, and there was even an interview that hinted that it might happen. Is to be able to play part of the game as Zelda. Right. And it's not unheard of. It's not like, it wouldn't be impossible. They could have, I know it's sort of, part of it is like, it's open world. You have to do things in certain orders or whatever. But like, I feel like they, I really thought when she got sent back in time, oh, it's happening. Because I hadn't looked anything up at this point. So I was like, it's happening. And um, we're going to have something happen where you go back in time and you get to play as Zelda in the past mm-hmm. because Link's not there and it's a different place. And then you can play a Zelda, even if it's like more limited scope. Right. I thought this is happening and it's not happening. Yeah. It's not happening. That doesn't happen. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on that. I, I do. Ah, just, ah, she always has to wait. And it makes, I, whenever she, whenever it was like, Oh, now she has to wait 10,000 years. Cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, there is some, you know, uh, aspect of them repeating themselves there. And uh, to some extent, it is disappointing to not see them innovate in that uh, particular uh, regard. 
Um, but uh, I I like what I'm responding to is the element of the story that like there I I maybe I am naive in this uh, respect because I don't have enough knowledge of Zelda stories mm -hmm. to know that this is maybe this is typical maybe this is not that interesting but to me with my limited knowledge uh i'm going like oh i didn't know that they would go like having played breath of the wild yeah i never thought that they would go there where they've gone to the extent of like there's an imposter zelda zelda got shot into the really distant past zelda has to basically like sacrifice herself to become an immortal dragon like that's all stuff that it's like whoa like yeah. that's more engaging to me because i was uh it's it's uh stuff that i didn't think that they would do with that character and i will say too um the reason that she turns into an immortal dragon is not because i was like i was thinking about this and i was like before she actually turned herself into the immortal dragon because there's a there's a, a memory where she's talking to Minoru, yeah, who is Raru's sister, mm -hmm. and they bring up this immortal dragon thing, and I was like, "Fuck, Zelda's gonna <laughs> turn into a dragon." Um, but I was like, "Why can't she figure out another way to do it? Like, why does it have to be where she's waiting all this time?" And the reason I think is really good, which is that the Master Sword is like right. smashed, mm -hmm. which has never happened before. Yeah, uh, it's it got. Injure, it got hurt and like overspent before Breath of the Wild, um, but it is smashed. Right. And, um, you know, Fee is hypothetically in there. This like spirit of the Master Sword that we get from Skyward Sword is like, you know, making that little Fee sound. Mm. Um, and the reason that the reason that she specifically turns into a dragon is not just to get back to Link. It's she the Master Sword gets embedded on her forehead. And it's so that her light power can heal the sword over 10,000 years because right. that's how long it's going to take to fix it. Well, yeah. And that brings up another way of framing these decisions, which uh, th I think that they they did a clever, engaging thing by necessity. Mm -hmm. the, the problem that they had to solve is we're going to do a direct sequel that means Link is go like video game sequels have this problem all the time. Like yes. God of War did, Horizon did. I'll tell you how they did it. In Horizon, you start the game and just as an aside, Aloy says, I think to no one, maybe to herself, she says like, I wish bandits didn't steal all my stuff yesterday <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah. And in God of War, Ragnarok, uh, they somebody I think the kid says to Kratos, or maybe to Mimir, he's like, "Oh, Fimblewinter is so bad, it's uh, reducing all our powers, or, <laughs> or something like that." Yeah. Like the problem is that it you're continuing the story of a character who spent the last game getting really, really strong. Getting buff as hell. And in video games, you are supposed to start from a weak or neutral place and yeah. get really, really strong. Well, I'm 
picking up with a character who I already played as and already got really, really strong with him. So where do we start from? Mm -hmm. And the way that they do it in Tears of the Kingdom is he does start from a place of strength of having like 40 hearts of having the master sword. And then all of that is taken away when he's ripped away to (laughs) when he's corrupted. So the problem they're solving the problem of, you know, starting from square one Mm -hmm. and starting from square one doesn't only mean having the amount of hearts and stamina that you have, Mm -hmm. but also not having the master sword. They, 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 are not going to let you have the master sword from the very beginning and they definitely want to give you a quest to get the master sword again mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. did in the previous game so basically that's basically the whole reason why they invent this story mm-hmm. that the master sword not only gets broken but it also gets sent to the past where it can be restored back to its full power but mm-hmm. only after all that time. So Zelda's the one who can give it that power if she could spend that much time imbuing the sword of that power. So she becomes an immortal. And I also means she's a dragon. And all of that is really cool. And all of that is basically born out of a problem of how do we sequelize while also getting back to square one. Yeah. Well, also, I mean... You know, I think that they actually did. They not only solved the problem at like a functional level mm-hmm. and a narrative level, but I yeah. also feel like they raised the stakes. Sure. They actually deepen the storytelling. It's yes. not just right. like functional or logistical. That's which that's it could what be. I'm it resp- totally could yes. be, and I would still right. play the game. <laughs> I that's that's exactly the what I'm responding to and mm-hmm. the point that I'm making is that the story in these games could easily be totally perfunctory and i don't expect to care about it and that i have been pleasantly surprised with um how i'm responding to it and it's not only the zelda aspects of the story but also the other sages yes and what you will see when you complete any of the temples Mm -hmm. getting me to another mini point which is the divine beasts were very very cool Mm -hmm. but i like that they're gone and I like that in their place, temples are back. Yeah. And the bosses of the temples are great. Uh-huh. And I like them a lot. And this brings me to another point, which was I was going to frame as the podcast is called The Smug Buds, mm-hmm. where my smugness comes into play is, like we've already talked about, you can play most of the game in the order that you design for yourself and mm-hmm. you really determine not only the sequence in which you do things, but like the pacing of the game, like yeah. you can really control whether you mean to or not. I uh, have been feeling smug about, I just think that I'm playing the game really, really well. Yeah. Like <laughs> the order in which I've done things and the way and the pacing that has mm-hmm. resulted from the order in which I'm doing them, I'm smug about like, I think that I'm like maximizing the potential of like the like fun that I can have yeah. playing this game. And to give you an example of what that looks like, I made the decision for reasons that are unrelated and I don't 
think bear getting into but mm-hmm. for whatever reason i stumbled upon the decision that when i do the main story meaning the four regional phenomena mm-hmm. i was going to do it clockwise oh okay i was going to start at like if the map is a clock at like one o'clock and then go around the clock yeah part of the reason for that is that the lost woods are basically like at 12 o'clock yeah and that is a good place to end up mm-hmm. after you've done the four temples. Mm-hmm. So I went to, in terms of the four regional phenomena, the Gorons, the Zora, the Gerudo, and the Rito. Mm-hmm. I'm smug, and then and then finish the last portion of the map that I got was the uppermost portion, mm-hmm. and that was me completing the map. I'm smug about, I think that this is a good way to play the game. I would recommend trying it. Mm-hmm. There is a drawback to it. I could definitely see the argument for doing the Rito village first and not last. That's what they definitely want, not want you to do, but they're sort of, if they're suggesting like, if you need a place to start, mm-hmm. this would be a good place to start. Absolutely. And there's and there's a good reason for that. There's probably multiple good reasons for that, but there's one in particular, which is that the power that you get from finishing that temple is by far the best of the four mm. and will make the rest of the game easier. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think it is rewarding to get that power last mm-hmm. and then you feel like you've really accomplished something. Yeah. But uh much like in the first game uh you might do that first and you might be glad for it because of the power that you get afterwards which brings me to another mini point which is okay comparing the two games Mm -hmm. i have this the same thing that i said about the core mechanic powers that you get at the beginning i can say the same thing about the powers that you get by finishing the temples they're way better, I think, and way oh, more memorable yeah. than the powers that you get from finishing the Divine Beasts, mm-hmm. which I always thought were kind of perfunctory. And I use that Gust one all the time and not much of the other ones. Minor spoiler, uh-huh. you are going to use the Gust power all the time in this game as well, uh-huh. although it is not exactly the same as it was in yeah. the previous game. And, and I did so- I did see Kenny get that one. Okay, so you know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, it, the ranking the... So, okay, so if you've seen Kenny do that, mm-hmm. you know that you not only get that power. Yeah. But you have companions. Yes. Who have the powers. Yeah. Which at first I was a little turned off by. Uh-huh. I was like, this is distracting. Am I going to have to carry this girl on my head? Like, And then I and then I got into some combat and saw that, oh, they're not just hanging around for yeah. me to activate their powers. They will start fighting the enemies on yeah. their own. And I was like, this rocks. I love <laughs> having all my guys around me helping yeah. me fight my battles. So that's a huge improvement from the new game to the previous one. Um, and then ranking them really quickly. Um, the gust power is best. Oh, the powers. Yeah, not the I was two, like not the two games. That's I obvious. thought you- <laughs> the four. 
thought you were going to make a joke about raising so the, the two gay. The other, the, that is a funny joke. <laughs> the, um, no, the, uh, uh, I, I meant to say part of the reason I'm smug about playing the game clockwise mm-hmm. is because part of my experience was every temple was a little bit better and more fun than the previous oh, okay. one. Yeah. So I would rank the temples as fire is worse than water, than lightning, than wind. And I won't get into what happens after that. Yeah. Um, but the powers, well, wind is also the best in addition to being the best temple and the best boss of the temples. Mm-hmm. But then... Yeah, that boss was amazing. I Then I think the power you get from the fire temple is second best. Uh-huh. And then lightning and then water is just kind of whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Can I, can I, can I say two short things? Yeah, go for it. Um, I like that in this game... Zelda and Link are explicitly dating. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been to Link's house in Hatano? Yes. So in Link's house in Hatano, it's Zelda's house now. Yep. And there's a place setting with two plates. Mm-hmm. And there's one bed. Mm-hmm. And then there's a memory that is really like, she's very clearly blushing talking about him. Uh, so I like that because I think in the other games, it's sort of like either they are not together or it's like people just sort of assume they're together because it's a man and a woman and they're the lead characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I like that in this game, it's just like, oh, no, they're in love and they've been like living together for six years, like being in love, because I feel like that also actually makes the stakes like it's not just the stakes are this is the hero of time and this woman's the princess. It's like. Oh, they're like in love with each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, I may give something away that you don't know by asking this question, but I'm going to yes. ask it anyway. That's if fine. you if you visited that house, did you find what is called Zelda's secret well? Yeah, yeah. and you get your hair tie. That's right. <laughs> the other thing is, I because as we've discussed previously, besides the fact that I was playing this game on my new switch i also had just deleted my game file which is silly i thought i don't need this um because i wanted elliot to watch me play it or play some of breath of the wild sort of get her amped up for this and she has been watching me play a lot of tears of the kingdom which is fun what i learned from blake is that if you are playing tears of the kingdom and you have a breath of the wild game file your horses carry over that's right um, so Blake texts me, my horses are here. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And I very rarely actually use the horses in Breath of the Wild, but, um, uh, I think that that, for basically having nothing carry over between the game files, like it's not like a fucking Half-Life situation or whatever. Yeah. Not Half-Life, um, Mass Effect. Yeah. hmm I thought that was a really sweet thing to carry over. Those are my two notes. That's a great note. I did not discover the horse thing on my own i heard about it before i tested it out myself Uh and i was delighted to find that it was true that when i went to take out a registered horse from any stable among my choices were chungus and nut boy and dinner uh who were all uh horses of mine from breath of the wild (laughs) my horse is named epona i have one Mm, horse that's interesting um okay let me look at these notes <laughs> it's and interesting see... to be basic but yeah 
<laughs> Go yeah, ahead. No, I mean, fascinating. <laughs> okay, I didn't quite make this. I think I was circling this point, but I didn't quite make it. Yeah. When we were talking about comparing to the two games and how, like Ocarina, Breath of the Wild has the factor of like how groundbreaking it was and mm-hmm. Tears of the Kingdom has so much in common with it that it can't have it to it. What I want to add to that point is just to say that like the novelty has not worn off. Like No, I think it is groundbreaking in its own way. It is totally. But but even in all of the uh qualities that they share in all of the overlap, all the oh, stuff that yeah. they have in common, like it is okay how similar they are yeah. because what made Breath of the Wild great is barely any less great yes seeing it and experiencing it a second time yes in the in the new game which is what i mean when i say the novelty has not worn off yeah let's see what else uh oh yeah okay so i had a a point to make this is also related to the story but um so yeah part part of the reason why it's working on me is because have you noticed Going around to the different, you know, instead of like our divine beast is acting weird. It's like, no, there's this phenomenon that's like making our society's lives harder. Yeah. And it's very common to to talk, to interact with an NPC and they will sometimes sort of cheerfully say something to you like, doesn't it feel like the world is ending? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, like an improvement in this game that. It was like true, I think, to a lesser extent in the previous game is that like, oh, it feels like um, maybe like these problems that were written for the people in the world, like feels like maybe it wouldn't have been written this way unless we lived in a world of climate change and like like, apocalypse stuff and like COVID and everything. It's like. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, that like these characters are experiencing something that seems that feels really familiar, because it's like, oh man, the weather is so terrible. It might be the end of the world. <laughs> and and to add to that too, something that I was thinking a lot about. I thought I thought about with this with Breath of the Wild too, but I've been thinking about it a lot with this game where these people who sort of got used to living with Calamity Ganon and then had six years of peace mm-hmm. is like the fact that all of these people are like. Uh, it feels like the world's ending, but I'm still just having to live my life. Yes, right. And oh, that, oh, I, oh, I can't start crying about fucking Zelda. But like that just feels like I started writing a poem the other day that was like I I just titled it "How many times has the world ended?" Mm-hmm, right. Because I think that for some people the world has ended, you know. Yeah. And yet, for so many other people the world ends and you just keep living through it. It's like, I don't know, there's like a level of dissonance there that I really appreciated um, in both those games. And especially now when you have these people that are like, you know, you know, most of the, almost everyone in Breath of the Wild with the exception of some Zora, Zoras and like some of the Sheikah, Sheik, the Sheik people, um, they live their whole life with this castle and these monsters, you know? Right. And then for them to have peace and to have that taken away, they're just like upset about it. And yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of like, even as as people are 
living with hardships and and it's somewhat apocalyptic there is an element of like well life goes on and people yes. are still doing their jobs and everything so yeah feels very resonant i have a note here to ask you have you been doing any phoebe bridgers cosplay with link in tears of the kingdom because i hope you know by now there is an armor set that uh looks like the skeleton outfit and it glows in the dark. Oh my God. I did not know that. But oh, that's okay. very funny. I will be doing that as soon as I can. I actually will say something that was a little bit weird about this game was it took me a really long time to find any other armor. I had that same thought. I was like, wasn't I drowning in armor by this yeah. time in the previous game? And it took a while, but I, I'm even now I don't have any full sets. Of, I have one full set that I purchased up front from yeah. lookout landing. Right. And I also feel like money, and I actually did read an article, I'll also link this in the show notes, um, that like essentially inflation has gone up in Tears of the Kingdom too. Oh, yes. Like shit's more expensive. It is, And there's yeah. like less money. Mm-hmm. I have noticed but, that, yeah. But then also on top of this, I feel like I had more food in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm really scrounging to get food in this game. Yeah. So, okay. So a couple of points mm-hmm. going off of things that you've just said. Um, I was going to ask you if you had any favorite outfits or armor, but it sounds like you're experiencing the scarcity of that. So you probably don't have an answer. I do like the gliding outfit. Yes. Do I know what you're... Oh, maybe you don't have that one. Do I know what you mean? I don't... Have you done the Trials of Courage? I've done one. And so I... I don't... Okay. So I think I've got the pants for that, but I don't have the rest. <laughs> So I, Kenny got the shirt and I was like, oh shit, I can do this. And so yeah. I got the shirt and I got the pants this morning. The got head it. I tried, I'm assuming there's a hood. I haven't found it. I mean, I know where it is, but I haven't mm-hmm. been able to get to it yet. Okay. That one has, um, it has like little jewels hanging off of the arms. It's mm-hmm. just like really beautiful. Yeah. And I know that you know about the existence of the froggy armor because yes. when I asked you about your progress, part of your answer was about uh, doing the uh, newspaper Staple rumors, quests, side yeah. quests, yeah, yeah, and I do have the shirt of the froggy armor, and then ugh, this is a whole thing, but I did get stuck in a Zora thing because I thought I can just use the froggy armor and the sticky potion, and then um, it turns out that in fact I could not use those things; they would cut me off, and I was like, "This is bullshit." Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to solve these puzzles however I want. Yeah, yeah, that is annoying when you. Inc- I haven't, I haven't, I have not encountered that exact example but things like that where yeah i'm blocked off from doing something that seems like it should be possible um but those are few and far between um the other thing is you just brought up the food scarcity and one of my notes was i never have to cook thanks to my bff addison <laughs> because i am always stopping to help addison and i so find him Addisons. a lot and i really like the addison stuff it's very simple but it's fun and he always gives me a nice meal as part of my reward. Mm-hmm. And that's most of the uh, food that I carry around. Do, uh, do you have a favorite paraglider fabric? Have you messed with that I, at all? I haven't messed with any of them, but I did get, I went to the Temple of Time because I was like, oh shit, I should go back to the Great Plateau. Mm-hmm. And I think that they did some interesting things with the Great Plateau, including the Shrine of Resurrection, though, ugh, fuck the Yiga, but whatever. Um, I think I, so. I have experienced that, except I didn't find the Shrine of Resurrection. So 
I've done stuff on the plateau, but not that specifically. Oh, go find the Shrine of Resurrection. You'll be I will. furious. I will. Um, I mean, if you hate the Yiga like I do. Oh, they're just so hard to fight. They're difficult. They are. <laughs> they yeah. move very quickly. I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, but if you go. I do really like fucking them up very quickly with a spear. Which <laughs> That's true. doesn't work 100% of the time. But when it does, it's very satisfying because the fight is over in like three seconds. Yeah. I have. I did learn that that was maybe a good idea um, sort of recently when I had to fight one. Um, but um, when you go to the Temple of Time, if you sort of climb up like you did. I was like, oh, I'm going to climb up like I did when I met the king of hyrule like king mm-hmm. rome um there's a fabric there that's like i think it's called like nostalgic fabric or something like that yes yes that's right I got and that i word. was like oh i like this this is mm-hmm. like a perfect place to put it and yeah. i just like the whole experience of getting it i like the design of there's a few things that you can take a picture of and if you bring a picture of the thing then you can get a fabric for that uh-huh. and two of my favorites are the horse fabric not the horse god fabric, mind you, yeah. but just a generic horse fabric. <laughs> and the, uh, how do you, do you say cuckoo? Is that how you say the chickens? Oh, I say cuckoos. Cuckoos, yeah. There's a cuckoo fabric. That might be which wrong, is, but I say cuckoos. <laughs> I'm currently using the cuckoo fabric, which might be my favorite. Speaking of the, the dye shop where you can change the fabrics is in Hatton Village. How, how much have you done there in terms of like side quests and things? Oh, um, I started doing the like, I started, but I didn't finish the um, election side quest. Yes, right. See, <laughs> see, I. Also, it's so funny. Can you say the name of that town again? You were saying it differently. I, I said Hatano, but. I say Hatano. Hatano, yeah, right. But I don't know which one is right. I think if it were H A T A, I would say what you're saying, but it's H A T E, I think. I also said I also said Kakiriko for a very long mm. time, and that does not even match up with the spelling. Kakariko. But yeah. when I say for a long time, I mean from the time that Ocarina of Time existed. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Uh, it took me a lot of time one day to do all of the election related side questing in yeah. Hatano Village. And it was very funny, like a prank on me almost when when I was finally finished with it. The reward was the very ridiculous hat. Hat, uh, yes. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, so that, that I wanted to mention that because it tickled me. Um, I, I started giving out the Helian shrooms and then got sidetracked and then ate them. Yeah. So I need mm-hmm. to go find more. Yep, that's okay. That You can do that. <laughs> Another little moment that I wanted to mention, um, which brought me some joy, was mm-hmm. um, we all know if we've played Breath of the Wild that there's such a thing as see a shooting star at night, that spot glows, go yeah. there, get a star yeah. fragment. Yeah. In Tears of the Kingdom, I went to one of the towers, which you no longer climb towers. You yeah. get in them at ground level and then they shoot you up in the sky and then yeah. you fall through the sky. And as I was doing this, a shooting star started to fall from the sky right beside me, and I caught it in the air. <laughs> I was like, "That's great! I love that that can happen." Kenny so- did. Kenny did that too, um, but he actually chased after it, mm-hmm. which he was like, "I felt so cool." And then yeah. I texted this to my friend Jay, who I've been texting about this all the time. I haven't been texting you because I knew we were going to talk about it. Now I will text you all the time, um, and. He was like, I did that too. And I'm like, am I the only one who hasn't caught a shooting star? But yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect thing that they let you do. Yeah. 
And uh, sort of a similar example, do you know the um, floating islands that have a tablet in ancient Hyrulean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Helian. Oh, sure. Is it Hyrulean yeah. or is it Helian? I don't remember. Okay. Um, but anyway, I I landed on one of those islands and stepped up to the tablet to take a picture of it. And then by me stepping on to the center platform that the tablet is on, yeah, it fell. Yes, Kenny had this experience too. Yes. And it not only fell to the ground, but it falls into a chasm into the depths. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's great. I didn't yeah. see that coming. Game, you got me. That's very memorable. You're supposed to take pictures of those? Eventually, um, I think once you finish any one of the temples, uh-huh. th- some things change in Lookout Landing. Oh, okay. And there is a guy you can speak to who can translate the tablets. And so you need to take pictures of them. That's good. Because I've run into a couple of those and been like, great, what the fuck is this? Yep. I flew yep. all the way over here for nothing. You will <laughs> you will get there soon. Yeah. Um, okay, final uh, questions. Um, any favorite side quests that we haven't talked about that you've done? I have really liked um, doing the great fairy side quests with mm-hmm. the stable trotters. Yep. Um, I think that they're really cute and fun. I really love the um, great fairies. I always love the great fairies. I think that they're such a funny thing. I, they feel like they almost, they've been here for a long time, but they almost feel like they shouldn't be in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like by a long time, I mean like since, you know, Ocarina, if not before, but um they're just huge. Yes. Like, they're fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the music. I like that some of the quests, you're, like, literally listening for the music to find the people. Yep. Um, and then I do, I have really loved doing the stable quests because mm-hmm. I like I like the quests that make you navigate the world in a specific way. Yeah. Um, not, like, a structured way, but, like, oh, here's a thing. Find all of the stables, which is not right. something I think I did in um, Breath of the Wild as readily. Right. Uh, I like that they incentive you, incentivize you to uh, visit new stables with pony points. Yeah, <laughs> loyalty program. Um, trying to, uh, you had great answers to my side quest question. Trying to answer it myself, I remembered, in my opinion, the best part about Breath of the Wild is Terrytown. Is yes, is agreed. building up Terrytown. That's the best part of the whole game. The, uh, the closest equivalent to that I have found in Tears of the Kingdom is, and I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly, but Luralin Village. Yeah. Which I don't know if you've been there, but you've probably heard about it because there's tons I've heard of that pe- there's pirates. There's tons of people all over the world who will say, <laughs> I was displaced by pirates from Luralin Village. Yeah. And um, the, I think my favorite side quest so far has been... Uh, not only defeating the pirates, but then uh, basically restoring the town. Oh, I should go down there. I've been avoiding it because I assumed it would be scary. Mm, no. The, <laughs> but by the way, if you haven't figured it out, um, the pirates are just monsters who are. Yeah, I figured on that they were like bokoblins. Yeah. Yeah. They're not what I was thinking, which was like human pirates. <laughs> they're. they're you bo- were like, am I going to have to kill a human in this game? I was thinking, am I going to get to? (laughs) Uh, No, they're because that would have been a real, a real fucking twist. 
Mm-hmm. It turns into like The Last of Us. You're like creeping up on people and slitting throats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, hi, uh, do, any favorite shrines uh, so far? I, um, let's see. I will say, I think that they have done, They there are shrines in this game that they didn't do in the last game that teach you combat strategies. You're talking about the um, the ones that start you oh no no, oh right right the training ones yes right yes the training ones and i don't know maybe they did exist but maybe not as extensively but like i for example did not realize that you could throw things that weren't your weapon right Mm -hmm. which is a big Um, thing yeah and i actually i because i'm already very familiar with the game in itself have actually been trying to focus on combat and like yes. getting better at combat like mm-hmm. i keep trying to jump and hit which is something i never did in breath of the flurry Wild. rushes and yeah perfect dodges um, and parries yeah yeah and so i've really appreciated just in general that those are there because they're very achievable but also like literally instructive if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah um otherwise i in terms of like an actual puzzle there's one um that's called Oh, I forget what it's called, but you basically have to fling yourself multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked that one just because it's fun to fucking get wailed across a room, you know, and see like a gap that seems like impossible to cross. Right. Um, another way that this the new game is better than the previous one. Overall, the shrines are better. Mm-hmm. I have I've done a ton of shrines and I have not come across a single minor test of strength or major test of strength the ones in breath of the wild where you just fight one of the robots oh you haven't because i have oh really there are combat shrines the equip okay so are you thinking of what i'm thinking of the equivalent of that in this game Uh is it's like eventide island in breath of the wild there are several shrines where you go in it takes away all your equipment and you have to defeat constructs Yes. Which is which is better, which is way better than what Breath of the Wild had, which is a bunch of shrines are just can you oh. beat this one robot? Yes. And and the way that they do it, as much I ran into one that was like, I'm never gonna be able to do this in my life. But I, I did run into one that it was just dark, and I did like that one because I was able to finagle my way. Yeah. The combat shrines aren't my favorite, but they are an improvement over yes. Breath of the Wild. My favorite shrines in Tears of the Kingdom have names that start with Courage 2. Have you seen any of these? No. So like one of them is called Courage to Pluck. And this is one of my favorites because what you have to do is it's one of those. There's a ball. You need to get the ball in the basin, right? Uh But the only ball in the shrine is on top of a Jenga tower. Oh and yes, you, I did do one of those. Yes. And yes. That, and that is and that game of Jenga Shrine is called Courage to Pluck, <laughs> which I think is so funny. But then also, I think just last night I played a shrine which was called Courage to Jump, which is basically they give you a race car and you need, you know, in the form of yeah, yeah, a yeah. slab with wheels and a control yeah. stick and you you need to like go off ramps basically in order to progress. <laughs> and all I could think as I was doing it was looks like I'm going to have to jump. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think my final question and maybe my final point of any discussion is, do you have a biggest crush in tears of the kingdom? Yeah, that is a good question. 
I mean, obviously, I have a crush on both Link and Zelda. Mm -hmm. Um, but oh, I think Tears. I think Tears of the Kingdom presents you with an obvious one, and then I also have my sort of niche answer, which is. I mean, I think I also kind of have a crush on Raru and Sonya. Great answer, not what I was referring to. Like a thruple. Like if we if we want to be if maybe like I mean Zelda can't do it, you know, she's technically related to them, but as soon as I saw Raru, I was like, that is a Star Fox character, and that is why I am really <laughs> responding to this design. I love it. I love that his hair is so big. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, the other this is very small. Another joke that I thought was very, very funny is when you're initially going down into the depths with Zelda at the very, very beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. At one point, she sees a picture of a Zonai, like a depiction of a Zonai, and she goes, their ears are just so big. And I was like, you're one to talk. <laughs> right, but yeah. then, like, the joke being that she's, like, literally descended from right. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that is good. Uh, okay, so sorry if this is weird to say, because I think, canonically, the character is over a century old and... The last time we saw her, she, she looked a like baby. a child with a big head. Yes. <laughs> but in this, in Tears of the Kingdom, they made Pora so hot. An all time anime waifu. <laughs> so that I think is the obvious answer. And yes. then my side answer, my street cred answer is violin. Violin, which is a good an example of a good pun spelled like the name Lynn, the violin player in the uh, Stable Trotters. Oh, you know who else I think is really hot? Toro. He's the like Zonai researcher that doesn't really have eyes. Oh, Toro. Yes, in in Kakariko Village. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. That is a great example of a classic hunk. Yes, a classic hunk. Who needs eyes Mm -hmm. when you're a researcher? (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. But yeah, but I will say Sonia has real, real sexy energy coming off of her, you know? I can't argue with that. Yeah, I I won't. And then Raru's just tall. Raru's a, Raru's zaddy. Yeah, he's real zaddy. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sonia has, yeah, some of that. That big mommy energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I need to say that's the end of the podcast because yeah. the longer we talk about this game, the less time I'm spending we can play it. playing the game. <laughs> thank you for <laughs> thank you for turning my final riff into uh, this is so obvious it's stupid voice kind of <laughs> reaction. Oh, but we're both so happy. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this with you for so long. I love this game series so much. No, I'm happy to. And um, I look forward to, obviously, this conversation is going to continue for some time. So, And as I think you know, uh, for ha- for Elliot's second Halloween, because for her first Halloween, she was nary a month old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was Link and Kenny was Prince Zelda. Mm-hmm. And Elliot was a cuckoo. Yes. I was uh, just discussing this with Liz, uh, telling her that this- uh, With uh, me? With with Dana. Sorry. Oh. (laughs) 
Uh, I was just discussing this with Dana, uh, telling her that this was our subject for the podcast and her saying, oh, Liz has so much Zelda knowledge. She dressed up as Link. And I was like, right. And and Elliot was one of the chickens. And Dana didn't remember that because Dana was remembering when you were Link in college. Yes, I've been Link three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least. Right. I was Link as a 10-year-old or maybe, an, maybe a 13-year-old. I was Link in college and I was Link uh when elliot was one well enjoy uh your continuing time with tears of the kingdom and i look forward to uh talking more about it with you and i look forward to uh discussing asteroid city with you next month yeah see you soon well love you love you too bye bye will is on twitter and letterboxd at youngest of one and his website is williamhoffacker.com you can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.